Hi everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. I'm your host, Christian, here with special guests, uh, John and Maya, to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. For the month of February, we're focusing on how to keep God at the center of our relationship status. And this week, we're talking about marriage. Marriage. Um, I'm super excited for us to talk today about how we navigate marriage as Christians. Um, You know, obviously we can't address everything um, in one episode. Um, So it's a great, great topic to ask each one of us about in person. And we just want to welcome you guys to do that. Um, But we're going to be sharing some thoughts from scripture, some from our own experiences with the goal of helping you orient your, you know, what marriage life might look like um, with your relationship with Jesus. So let's start by introducing ourselves. And so, um, John, Maya, you want to tell us about yourselves and how long you guys have been married? Well, hello, everyone. I'm John. And um, you want to go? Hi, I'm Maya. <clears throat> and we've been married for a year and six months. Is it six months? So we got married in uh, August of 2019. And yeah, this is our into our second year of marriage. And, and I'll also be sharing some thoughts. Um, you know, me and Mona, who's not here, have, have been married, oh my goodness, I got to get this straight, 11 years now, about 11 and a half years. And so I really remember that because our oldest kid is 10. So that's helpful. So, um, yeah, a little, a little around 11 and a half years. So, um, well, hey, thanks so much for sharing about your guys' marriage today. That's going to be so fun. Um, hey, so what were you guys looking for, like in a partner, in a person, as you guys were thinking about, as you guys were dating or pre, you know, not quite dating yet? What were you guys looking for um, in someone that you might marry? Hmm. Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, John is the only guy that I've dated. <laughs> um, and Whoa. I, my mom always said that I would marry the first guy that I dated. And... I didn't necessarily believe her, but um, I guess she knew, right? Moms know, right? Um, I never wanted to date someone that I wouldn't consider marrying or wouldn't. um, I had this weird um, thought that um, when I was thinking about dating someone, is this, I would think like, is this the kind of person that I would want to go through Um, some of the best but also some of the hardest challenges that life could throw at me or throw at us Um, and so when I was considering um, John I had seen his life we'd been friends for years um, and I'd seen his life from a distance um, and I really thought of him as someone that I would want to be with um, even if life threw like the hardest possible things at us Yeah, and for and for me, um, yeah. First of all, Maya went one for one with uh, her boyfriend, so I I made it through. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what that's worth, but um, <clears throat> yeah. When I was when I first met Maya, um, <clears throat> we were friends for a while, and I never thought of her as somebody that I would want to date for probably a, a good solid year. Um, <clears throat> and part of that was because I was dating another girl at the time. But um, when we started dating, or actually, sorry, before we started dating, what I was looking for in a, a woman 
was somebody who was who was running their race um, with Christ um, and focused on serving others more than themselves. Um, I had just got out of a relationship um, when when I was starting to hang out with Maya um, that was not very good. And a lot of it was because of a, a lot of immaturities in me. And so when I started hanging out with Maya and I started to become interested in her, it was because I saw she was serious about her faith. And I really wanted to be with someone who um, was serious about their faith. And um, I heard, there's a quote from a campus pastor at um, the school I went to. He told me that um, the woman that you want to be with is the woman who, when you are running your race with Christ and you look over on the like figurative track and you see her right there with you with sweat dripping off her brow because she's going just as, as hard as you are. Um, and so I've always taken that to heart. And um, yeah, that's what I found in Maya. She was sweaty. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, so like, uh, you know what? I love that, that, what you guys just shared right there. And, um, and you know, like for me and, and Mona, I mean, just really similar things. I mean, those were things I know that we were looking for in each other. And, um, you know, I even think like, you know, kind of what, you know, what you call sweaty John is, uh, um, you know, I heard one campus, another, another pastor friend of mine say, um, you know, you, you walk alongside somebody long enough, you start to look like them. Hmm. And so, um, one thought was like, like, do I want my life to look like this person's life? Because like the kind of person that I date is the kind of person I'm going to become. And so, you know, you don't want to date someone you're not going to end up being like, you know, so there's got to be like a high admiration for the other person's character and think, I want to, I, I want their faith to rub off on me or I want their, their traits to rub off on me. If, if you're like, oh, that's something I got to hide. I'm going to be a little embarrassed of that person for this. It's like, well, that's going to be you. You're going to be embarrassed about yourself for that. And that's going to be yeah. not very good. And um, so, and then, you know, the one other one for me was, um, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear how you, how you guys do this at all. But, okay. um, but for me, um, you know, I don't know. A lot of times people just like kind of nod their head to me and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like that. Or I don't know. I'm pretty persuasive, I guess. I don't know. Ramona's like one person who's always like, no, you're totally wrong. Like, she's just totally honest. And I just can trust if she says something's positive, like yeah. that she really thinks is a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I guess at the, fa- the fundamental of it is like, I just trust her words to me. And that like, it really means a lot to me. Like, it means like, you know, she's not just saying yes to make me feel good or she, she's like, she's really telling me how, how something is, even if it's like, a little tense sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that true for you guys or? Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think about that? I think that's how it is for John. Um, I struggle more with being um, bl- lovingly blunt. <laughs> I'm growing in that, but John is um, able to be blunt and has been growing and learning how to do it lovingly. <laughs> 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 but I know that whether it's fashion or um, a choice I'm making or I don't know just anything that he he's gonna tell me um, what he really thinks about it and I really appreciate that yeah it's always for my best interest Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I I really ap- appreciate um, honesty and and kind of the brutal brutal honest opinions Be- because I think like <clears throat> if you feel a certain way, it's okay to share. And so um, I am that way. I'll just if if I care like my my thing is if I care about you, I want you to know how I feel. And so for Maya, when she's doing something that I have an opinion about, I want to share my opinion with her, whereas she has a different opinion of, hey, I love you, and so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> totally tear you down with these words, um, or share the 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 real truth. We teach each other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So in some ways, like, some ways, like, it's good to have the same, like, there's a, a lot of sameness that needs to happen in a relationship, but there's like room for you guys to be different. Mm-hmm. room for a lot of ways for you guys to rub off on each other in good ways mm-hmm. yeah yeah, good. yeah hey what was a you know I know that we all come from Bellingham Washington you know so many of us and um, and you know there they have a, a pretty strong like at the ministry there there's a pretty strong dating culture you know like um, with certain steps you know and, and one of them's called like pre-engagement um, counseling you know and mm-hmm. um, I was just wonder can you guys just walk us through like Hey, what was your guys' steps like that you went through um, on your road to marriage? Yeah, um, pre-engagement counseling was so, so helpful for us. Um, When you're in school and for John, he was in school, I was working, life is busy and full and um, there are a lot of big conversations that do need to happen um, before you get married and for us, pre pre-engagement counseling was so helpful in being able to talk about um, finances and family and conflict resolution and just so many important topics that just might seem daunting. Um, but we were able to, we did pre-engagement counseling with another couple from our church, um, and just to be able to talk through some big important things um, that. I really think that every couple needs to talk through before um, getting engaged. Once you get engaged, it's um, it's a bigger cost um, to leave a relationship. Um, so, yeah, really encourage that for anybody who would be in that season of life. Yeah, like it, like doing that before you get engaged. You're kind of like get to talk about the hard things and kind of decide. Uh, yeah, I'm in with this person or, oh my goodness, what, what do we do? But if you're engaged already, it's like, I guess we're in, but if you find something really hard, it's, it's pretty hard to back out or it's, oh yeah. 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 Once you're planning a wedding, it's really hard to have time for those things too, because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is when you are dating somebody and you're thinking about getting married, feelings are growing stronger and stronger, and your feelings kind of blind you to some flaws in yourself that might hinder the relationship and also in the other person that might hinder the relationship. And so our pre-engagement counseling, the way that it was structured was they asked us those hard questions, and we had to talk about how do you handle money? How did your parents um, harm or help you in life? How, How do you see... Um, your relationship with Christ? How do you um, look at different issues in life so that we could talk about them before we committed our lives to together, just in case one of us was crazy? Yeah, that's right. How, how long did you guys date before you guys took the pre-engagement counseling? I think it was like a year and a half. 
I want to say. And for us, the church we were a part of, there was a requirement that you had to be dating for at least a year. Um, and I think that's probably a good requirement. Yeah, I heard um, one of one of my mentors, a guy named David Nebel, he said, you want to see the other person in every season of the year, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and it's not about like, it's not like the idea isn't that you're like watching them, like, are they going to be crazy when winter comes around? It's not like that. Right. But it's like, it is, a, it is helpful to know like the ups and downs and it's like, whoa, this person's a different person in the winter. And um, it's always good to know that before you decide I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person, you know, like, so spending, you know, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, having a whole calendar year dating, you know, so, so yeah, I think for us it was similar. We, we dated for one year, and Ramona and I had known each other for four years before that, and then we dated for a year, we got engaged, and then we got married like eight months later. So we did our pre-engagement counseling before we got engaged. So I think it was almost about two years that we dated. So wow. yeah, so we dated a year, pre-engagement counseling, engaged, eight months. How long did you guys wait to get married until your, after your um, pre-engagement counseling and got I, engaged? I think we got engaged a f- maybe three months after our pre-engagement counseling ended. I think it was, uh, it ended in November and we got engaged in the middle of March. So whatever that is. Time went fast, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then we were engaged for five months. Okay. Yeah. Is that July? You guys were married in July? August. August. Okay. August what? August 3rd. Oh, okay. 2019. You're August, August 15th. So, oh, hey, that's hey. pretty cool. What a great month. <laughs> what a great month. So, yeah, that's great. Um, hey, so... What were some of the biggest changes that happened between dating and getting married? Like, what changed the most in your guys' relationship or your or your lives? Yeah, um, so everything everything changed. Um, I think one thing that I recognized the most was I went from living in a house with 12 guys. It was a guys' community house. And... Um, from 12 guys to one woman is a big change. And um, I, I realized that um, I am more extroverted than Maya. We, we learned that like right off the bat. And I was wanting to do things every night. Go, okay, we can go hang out with our friends every night. And I expected that Maya wanted to do everything that I wanted to do, where in reality, she had a completely different idea of what it meant to hang out with our friends, how frequently to do that, what to do on the, during the evenings. Um, and just something so simple, we didn't even think about it. Um, but I think that was a, the thing that changed the most was having to figure out what do we do with our free time because we were together all the time. In, instead of us hanging out once in a while, it was, um, it was different. So I think the biggest change life just really happened and hit us hard when we first got married. Um, Literally a month to the day after getting married, um, John ended up in the hospital. um, And that brought on a season after that of him dealing with a lot of anxiety and um, things that he had never walked through before. Neither of us had ever walked through before. And so um, everyone talks about like the honeymoon phase and everything just being so fun and great after marriage um, and it being like this perfect season in your life but um, 
that wasn't how it was. And um, it was hard. I mean, now I wouldn't change it. Like, we have grown so much stronger because of it. Um, but, yeah, I would have never thought that um, the first few months would be so hard. <laughs> Did your mom pass away? Yeah. In the first, your first year of marriage? Yeah. Um, my mom passed away three months after that. So it was one month of marriage and yeah. hospital and then battling anxiety. And it just been a few weeks of John kind of getting to feel back to himself. And then um, my mom unexpectedly passed away. And so that was um, another season of grieving and John learning how to support a new, his new wife in um, a very hard season. And so, yeah. And, and while this is happening, so we kind of went from crisis to crisis um, after the start of September all the way through our first year. Um, so in addition to that, we I started a new job. I was an intern with a campus ministry with the Chi Alpha um, in Bellingham, Washington, and um, was going through this health scare. Then um, we had one of our um, friends like lost a baby as well. Uh, Maya's mom passes away. Um, things were going around, going on around us and in our circle. Um, just so many crazy things that were, were were going on. So it was a it was a really really hard first year. Yeah, and you know I think it's so important because um, you know I think marriage in our American context is so often like equivocated with like happiness or like like almost like arrival, you know. Um, but ultimately, you know, and it's in the it's in the marriage vows, you know. Do you do you swear that you're going to stay with this person through sickness or health, um, for richer, for poorer, um, forsaking all others as long as you both? I mean, ultimately, the marriage vow is about commitment and saying, "I'd rather go through life with you, regardless of the ups and downs." Um, not it's not about like we're going to enter this this blissful garden. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it is a I mean there there are a lot of aspects where it is like a blissful garden, but but it's more about like this is the person I'm going to be with. And you know, in a lot of ways your guys' first year of marriage like actually exemplifies what marriage is. Yeah. It's about being with each other through yeah. the ups and downs and through everything. I mean, that's really what marriage is about. It's not so much about this emotional high or this um this place of you know arrival or or even like adulthood so yeah thanks for sharing that with, with us today and for all you guys out there if you guys are dating and thinking about getting engaged um we've actually got a pre-engagement um you guys we have pre-engagement material that you know the staff would love to go with you with go through you with so you know you could talk to your corfa you could talk to the staff and um but pre-engagement is definitely an opportunity for you guys if you guys are thinking about that so so actually with that thought about how um you know marriage is really more about commitment um you know in our land we have a, like a lot of myths about marriage um are there any myths in particular about marriage that you guys want to like call out today or or anything that you guys want to you know, dispel or warn people about? You talk first. I know okay. you have a lot of things to say about this. <laughs> I, don't I don't have a lot of things to say. You could talk to okay, me well, I'm going to go there. And if you know where there is, 
well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but I'm going to talk about sex, okay? <clears throat> I think there are a lot of Christian um, couples, and um, from my experience, a lot of guys who are looking forward to being married and thinking, oh, I should get married for the sole reason of being able to have sex. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not, that you shouldn't do that. Don't do that, please. Um, <clears throat> because um, sex is not a, um, is not the only thing that you're going to be doing when you're married. It takes up a little bit of time. Um, it's something that you have to work hard at. It's not just something that's going to be amazing right from the start. Um, and you, there's one more thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I think the, that would be a, a big myth that I would say um, sex is not going to be your savior or there are many things that are also great about marriage than just that. So, yeah. You know what is so crazy about that one is that, um, you know, you watch any movie and like I think in almost every single movie, like sex stands for the the bond of intimacy tying people together. Like it's almost like the sex scene in a movie is like, oh, look, they are together. They do love each other, you know, and and it's usually always like a very like. I don't know, entrancing. I mean, I'm not like watching these things. For all you guys out there, I'm not going crazy, but I'm, I'm just trying to dispel how it works. You know, usually they're they're depicted in a way that is like, like almost like ethereal, like like oh, this is a transcendent experience, you know. And um, it's just like, I I mean, the way that media portrays sex is just so unrealistic. And um, and I think the more and more you consume, like whether pornography or videos or just like or just regular movies you know it sets you up for disappointment like really serious disappointment and um and i because it's just not realistic you know and i think it's worth reminding people like these movies have directors and these guys are filming this over a couple hours in a day you know and trying to make it look as like steamy or as like you know, ecstasy oriented as possible, you know, and, um, and these actors are acting, you know what I mean? This isn't like real for them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're acting this out. And so, um, so I just, I just think all that stuff is helpful to know because I think, um, sex is, is a really beautiful and really, I mean, John, John didn't say it's bad. It's or, not bad. or it's it's not bad. It's not yeah. bad. Oh, it's super great. It's fun. It's a great. It's really intimate. Like it's really key. But but you know, it's just like we live in a culture where it's so much like this is what it is, and it you know, it actually isn't that. And if sex was that, it wouldn't be good. Actually, like it actually the image of Hollywood, like what it makes it out to be, isn't as good as what it actually is. But it's a pretty different thing, and so. Um, if you're expecting the movies in marriage, that's not going to happen. And uh, I'm with, yeah, I'm totally with you, John. It's not a good reason to yeah. get married. You know. Thanks. What about you, Christian? Do you have any myths of marriage? You've been married for 40 years, I think. 40 years, yeah. Oh, those 40 years of marriage. Um, what are some myths of marriage? So, you know, I think, okay, so here's one is I think it does have to do with like 
the kind of lifestyle that we thought we would have. Like, so I am like, like I'm an extroverted person to the max, okay? Like I've never been lonely because I always go find other people. <laughs> it doesn't matter like where I was, like whatever stage of my life. When I was in college, when I, I called people when I was at home, I had my own room, but I always called my friends like every second of the day. Like I was like, I just had very little alone time. Um, and that was on a telephone with a cord, you know, so not like a cell phone. That was a, so, but, um, but I would call people all the time. And, um, anyway, so I'm just like super, super social. And so, um, I was like, Oh great marriage. I'm going to have somebody to talk to all the time. This is gonna be so great. Um, well, Ramona is like, not that she's like very, she's she's not very introverted, but she enjoys some time alone. <laughs> like, you know, she wants about an hour and a half a day, maybe two hours a day, just kind of be on her own, you know, which isn't a ton, you know, but, um, I remember in our pre-engagement counseling, uh, we were talking about, you know, they were just, we, our guiding couple was like, oh, Christian, Ramona, we're so excited. You guys are going to have a great marriage. We think the Lord is setting you up for success. We're excited if you guys choose to get married. And um, anyway, you guys just have a great relationship. But then the guy, the, the guiding, the girl of the guiding couple looked at me and said, but Christian, you need to give Ramona her space. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Like oh, it almost sounded like her voice went to like a really dark level, like, a, like, Christian, you know, it's like, whoa, this is serious. So, so then, um, and there were points where it was like, whoa, I'm driving Ramona crazy because she just needs a little bit of time. And so actually part of marriage time was like, I need to back off and I need to go hang out with some other friends or I just need to learn how to Hmm. be alone, you know? Um, and actually there were times where sometimes I have to go somewhere on my own. Like I take a trip or Ramona takes a trip and I'm like, still struggling through like, oh, I got to be in this house alone and I got to be okay with it. So you still have to fight those kinds of demons. Like it's not going to solve your loneliness. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, Ramona was thinking, oh, that's great. I'll be married to somebody and I'll talk to him (laughs) as much as I want. And then I won't. And I'll just get to do whatever I want. And I'll have my own time. Like, like kind of thinking like, you know, this will be at my pace, you know? Um, well, we had four kids, like we got, we had a kid like about one year after we were married and, um, all four of my kids are as social or more social than me. And there's four of them. So Ramona is like at home with four crazy extroverted kids that are asking her for a snack every 20 minutes. So like, so she's like hoping for some alone time and she's like, I can't get it. So I can't get it anywhere. There's nowhere I can go. So, so we, in our house, we have nap time. It takes about, lasts about an hour and a half, two hours. It's like Mona's nap time. It's like, Mo, it's for Mona. Like, it's like the kids go to their room and Ramona gets some time, you know, and that's how she deals with it. But, but she had to learn that to, to take that. But also, so she was like looking for a certain kind of like more isolated pace, but she didn't get what she was looking for. So, I mean, I think you hope for marriage to kind of solve those kinds of things, but it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, but in light of that, you know, in light of those myths and stuff, um, what would you guys say are some like key ingredients for marriage? Um, you know, things that like make a marriage really good or really, or, or really important to a, a strong marriage. 
I would say one thing that John and I found really important um, when we were dating and then into marriage is um, having the perspective of always being each other's biggest supporter, um, whether that be in um, sometimes in order to be John's biggest supporter, I need to give him space. Um, when I'm so excited that he's finally home, um, I need to give him space to have alone time or um, in being John's biggest supporter, um, maybe I would move to a different state in order for him to pursue what God was calling him to. Um, just in in the small things and in the big things, um, choosing to um, put the other person's needs before your own, um, and to encourage them. And John has done that for me so many times. Um, And through that, like, um, pushing me to be the best version of myself um, through supporting me. And I I think some some good ingredients would be listening first, listening first. Um, I've really learned to give Maya space to tell me what's on her heart, what she's really thinking about. Um, And I think if I were to just kind of, I I have a tendency to have a lot to say and know what I want to say right away. And if I would just open my mouth and, and start talking about, well, this is what we have to have for dinner and this is what we're going to do, then I would never give Maya a chance to have any input. And she would just sit there and go, okay, let's do that. But I've had I've really had to work hard at taking a step back and first before I say whatever I want to do, even though even if like um, I know exactly what I want or if we're going to go on a date, I know exactly what restaurant I want to go to. I first say, okay, babe, what do you want to do? What do you, what are you thinking about? And I listen. I shut my mouth and listen. <laughs> um, and and I think that's really really helped because because of our dynamic. Because I always have an opinion and Maya does not always have an opinion. It really has to be that way, or else we would only do what I want to do, and we would I would steamroll over her, and um, so that's not good. The other thing I would say is uh, seeking to understand. Sometimes things happen. It could be as simple as like leaving the dishes in the sink or forgetting something, um, and having the other person's um, or, or just like wanting their. Um, giving them the benefit of the doubt and, and asking before you give your opinions. I think I would say that. Yeah, and you know what I hear in both of you guys' answers too is just like this sense of like taking yourself out of the middle of your life, like saying like, you know, I can't be the, I'm not the center of this family. You know, I'm not the cent- like like trying to say like, I need to be attentive to the other person. And so like, um, a friend of mine, Jeff Jenkins, he went to Nepal and they didn't have, this was crazy. They were like looking for a, a love word that didn't have any kind of like sex in it or something. Anyway, they, it was, they were looking for like a God word, like something that agape would go into, you know, like this, um, like giving love and they didn't have a word for that. And so they, they made one up and there's a word in a Nepali that means like to stretch your tent which, so somebody else can fit in it, like stretch your tent to the max so you can get one more person inside. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just like love that concept because, and I think that's what you guys are exemplifying. You know, it's like, 
I need to stretch myself so I'm not the center of this, you know, and, and saying like, actually, you know, and I think, you know, for us, we found that to be true when we have kids, you know, we can't, we can't put anyone in the center. Like Christian can't be in the center. Ramona can't be, our kids, like our kids want to be in the center, but you can't let them take the center. You know, we are a family and, and ultimately you have to put Christ in the center. And by putting Christ in the center, you like, you say, this is what our family stands for. This is, this is who our family is following. And by doing that, it, it like sets your ethos and it says like, we're going to be a self-giving family. We're going to be a family that first, first seeks to understand others or seeks to bless others in this family before we seek to have our needs met, you know, and it, it just changes the tone. And it's not so much about, you know, yourself or who you are. Um, and I think that's, that's a really important part of marriage. You know, and, and one other that comes to my mind is just like trust is just like, um, you know, a marriage without trust is just, it's impossible. You have to trust each yeah. other, you know? And I mean, I, I saw this one thing, there was this financial class I was taking and this woman was um, talking about how her husband was like really strictly following all the finances. And, um, and so she couldn't spend any money and she didn't trust him enough to like, say she needed more money or she mm. wanted to spend more money. She felt like she'd be judged. So she went out and got these credit cards. Oh no. Like on the sly. And he, the husband got like a $19,000 bill. And he's like, how do we get these bills? And this woman's like, I did it. I did it. You know? And it's just like, but like there was like kind of trust issues both ways, you know, like, like she wasn't being honest to him, mm-hmm. but she also didn't trust him to like be able to express like her needs. And so it's just like one image of just like, and you know, they worked it out. They're still married. And so even like when you break trust, like God can help us forgive, you know? And, but, um, but man, if you can't trust the other person, then don't marry them. Right. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. So it's not going to last very long. Yeah. Um, Hey, uh, I've got two more questions for us today. Um, so as a married person, how do you guys prioritize your relationship with God? And, and also, how do you include other people in your relationship, like friends and family? Yeah, I'd say this is one of the things that's been the hardest for me, to be honest, um, in marriage. Because before getting married, my time was my own or more my own. Um, and then with getting married, it's it's shared. And so um, it has gotten harder, um, like my time with God, um, like say Sabbath, taking a Sabbath. Now we have two people to try to figure out what we both need, what's restful for both of us. Because what's restful for me might not be what's restful for John. Um, so navigating how to... Um, both figure out how to love each other um, and um, get our needs met. It's, it's just more complicated when you have two people in the picture. What would you say for that? Um, yeah, it's been, I think it's been, it's been difficult. Um, I um, have really have, have struggled to find time um, in our small apartments that we've lived in to 
be truly alone and be able to um, just have my morning devotion time. Um, and that's nothing against Maya, but usually we're just like, if we're doing our morning devotion time, we're a lot of times in the same room. And um, and I think it's just been just been hard to like find a balance of how to include each other in our our uh, time with the Lord and when to like go off and do our own thing. Um, but I th- I think what has been helpful it has been um, having space for each other in the morning to um, kind of have that blocked out for our devotion time. We, we each have a spot in the living room that we go into in the morning and um, that's kind of like we, we kind of leave each other alone and um, as we both like read our, our Bibles or pray or, or whatever we're going to do. Um, then the other part of that question of inviting friends in, well, I think there's like a, a pre-COVID mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, scenario and then a during COVID. Um, we love to host people, have people over at our house. I know, Christian, you and, and your, the family have come over and um, for some f- fun football games mm-hmm. when the Seahawks win. When, when they win. When they win. Um, but we love having people over. I love just having people in my house. Maya loves cooking for people and making fun treats. Um, and so we we love just having people over and having parties, whether it's uh a game night or, or, or watching the Seahawks game, whatever it is, or just having a meal. Um, and we also love just hanging out with our friends together. Um, we have a lot of the, our, our circles are very overlapped. So a lot of our friends are friends with each other's friends. And um, yeah, but, but then I think with COVID, it's been I don't know. Just like everyone else, we're just trying. Hard we're we're still figuring it out. Um, we've it's been hard to have people in our in our house, and we also moved from um, Washington to Oregon, and so it's been hard to see our friends. And but we've tried to keep up with with Zoom. And then I I think another part of that question is um, letting the other person free to go be with their friends um, like Maya's had a couple girls weekends and I've had a couple um, guys trips um, and I think it just takes again like putting the other person first and thinking what they their needs are above your own and um, so this 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 fall Maya took a trip to Spokane Washington with her girlfriends and had a fun weekend and we we prioritize things like that because I know how much fun that would be for me, and so I know it's going to be worth it for her. And so, yeah, that's kind of kind of what we do. Yeah, I think like, I think it's like you know, kind of with both like God and the friends. You know, it's so important to like, it's like, like you have this like really unique relationship with your wife. You know, so me and Mona, you and Maya, you know, we have this exclusive relationship. Like we're not marrying anyone else. Um, on earth this is the most important person on earth in my life you know what I mean like um, I'm supposed to think about this person's welfare more than anybody else I need to make sure I'm spending a lot of special time with this person but it can get weird it can get not healthy if we feel like well this person needs to give me all their time or I need all their time or they need all my time like 
like it's so important to know that a healthy part of their life is to have good friends you know to have mm. good girlfriends and good you know for the guys having good guy friends and um and you know that uh, these outs these relationships outside our marriage are so important and you know ultimately too that relationship that we have with god that that we need to be like prioritizing that for our spouse too. And so, so we can't just have this idea when we go into marriage that like, now I'm going to have all of a person's time or all of another person's time belongs to me, or I can't give anybody else time. Like, like there's gotta be, you know, a healthy Christian Anderson or healthy Ramona has really good friends outside of, of a marriage. And, um, and, and also has a vibrant relationship with the Lord so that we can help each other along. And so, um, you know, I think that looks different for each person. Um, but, you know, ultimately, mer- like, we're not supposed to be like a, a closed system. Like, we're, you know, we're ideally supposed to have such a good marriage that we're blessing other people um, outside of yeah. just our family. And so, but you can't do that if you don't spend time with others either. And, um, and also those people tend to be a great blessing to us us too so hey one last question all right this one's a favorite um so the bible talks about marriages you know one of the most common um marriage passages is in ephesians 5 let me just uh read that i want to get what you guys thoughts are about this okay all right so all right so here we go ephesians 5 21 through 33 and we're really looking at the question of the, the magic word submission, the submission, John saying the submissions, he loves submissions. So, so here we go. I'm going to read it. So it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So how do, how do you guys deal with them? submission in your home and in a verse like this yeah so um i thought when we first started talking about this i thought christian might have been talking about maybe wrestling or something because he's a he's a wrestler so but it's not um yeah i think um the way that we kind of deal with with submission we i first of all have to say that we don't we honestly don't have a lot of serious disagreements. So maybe check back in in five years or whenever we have kids, see how it's going. Um, but I think what we do um, is we re- we constantly remind each other that um, 
we're a team. We're not just one person making decisions. We're not just one person um, doing things. Um, and so when I have a proposal or an idea, um, if Maya doesn't completely agree with me, um, or I don't agree, completely agree with her, it actually works both ways for us and the way that we have kind of been operating is um, knowing what's best for the both of us and going with whatever that looks like. So I try to honor Maya in whatever decisions are being made. And if she wants to do something that I don't exactly want to do, like um, she wants to start eating healthier and going to bed earlier, I am loving her and also submitting to what's best for our family, submitting um, to what she's saying. And I'm going to go ahead and do that because I know it's it's the smartest thing. It's um, doing what's what's best. So that's kind of kind of what I think. What about you, Maya? What do you say? I don't know. When I re- when I hear this passage, I um, I people make a big deal about the submission, but the husbands they're the ones that are asked to love their wives, like Christ loved the church. I think that's that seems more weighty to me than just having to submit. Um, I don't know. I maybe I'm not the classic feminist, but um, I think that. That is a big deal and a big weight to carry to um, be called to ask, ask to love someone as Christ loved the church. Um, and if if John's doing that, if he's loving me in that way, then when the time comes that maybe I w- we wouldn't agree, and um, this would tell me to submit to um, his leadership, if he's loving me in that way, then I would gladly, um, because I know that he's doing it out of um, out of a genuine love for me and out of a good place. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I've um, I've had a lot of I've met a number of people over the years that take this kind of um, this kind of a this verse right here to to mean like almost like I don't know they take it kind of weird like I'm the man and my wife's gonna do as I say kind of they can get kind of weird about it you know and um but I think Maya your like thought is so good that it's like you know actually what 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 Paul's saying here is that this husband is supposed to be like totally self-giving towards his wife and I think actually the picture that that this verse puts out here is is um this idea of just like two people dynamically being self-giving you know a wife saying I'm willing to submit to my husband. Like if my husband wants to do this, I'm going to do it because I love him and I'm choosing to submit to him. Um, and, a, and a husband saying, I want the best for my wife. I'm going to lay down my life for my wife. I'm going to lay down my my own needs for my wife, you know? And so um, actually the verse starts um, and I looked it up in Greek and it is relevant mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, it is. It is like connected more to the wives sentence, but it does say submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there's just this, this, um, this sense of, man, this is like mutual submission here. This is mutual looking to the other person's welfare. And to be honest, like that is not something that in America, like we value, like we always want someone to be on top. You know, we always want someone to be El Presidente. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> somebody's always got to be the boss. And so, um, but the idea that like everyone serves each other 
that everyone's seeking not to be the top. Um, man, that's a radical idea. And so, but that's the picture that, that we're given here about marriage is that, you know, when one person loves their husband or their wife, they're loving themselves because they're one body. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to give up my needs for my wife or um, her to give up her needs for me because she's loving herself because we're one body. And so that's just pretty, that's just pretty amazing. Yeah. So, um, so um, yeah, with that, let's end there. So um, yeah, so with that, let's end there. John, Maya, um, thanks so much for joining me today. And if you're out there listening, thanks so much for making time to learn um, what marriage is going to look like maybe for you um, and in a way that that honors Jesus and looks different than the way our world does marriage. Hey, feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week, and I hope you've enjoyed learning about our reflections of marriage. Um, Yeah, see you next time. 